This episode is part of our series discussing the debate topics released for Debatable Open 2021. The motions can be found in the description along with timestamps for your convenience. Please enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Debatable with your hosts Nina and Kyle. Our guest for this episode is from De La Salle University. She was 2018's national champion. She's an Asian semi-finalist, a world's octo-finalist, and also Nina's bestie, aside from myself. Uh, she's also a real K-pop stan and can watch anime without the subs, which is the most important thing, really. So here to talk about the media motions for Debatable Open with us, it's Kitty Albert. Thanks for being here, Kitty. Hi. Hi. So before we jump into discussing the motion, we would want to start by knowing your thoughts on what you think is unique about media as a theme and what skills do you think debaters need the most for debating motions under this theme? Um, I guess honestly for media as a theme, the thing I think that's what I enjoy most at least about it is that as debaters it gets super meta. Because usually a lot of the topics in media talk about how should we frame something, is it right to put a spin on things, and all of those things are like things we use in debate as well. Because I mean, if media is just like means to deliver information, and debate is also about delivering information, a lot of the times we're basically just debating about ourselves. Oh, that's true. Not that I think people realize it a lot. That's a hot take. Hot take, hot take. <laughs> so what do you think debaters should know if they're doing that? Besides that, besides getting an existential <laughs> crisis? What should debaters know? Well, it's broad, really. But I think some of the key things that debaters should know when debating media motions is always to look at the process as a whole. Sometimes, especially when I'm judging debates, I notice that people tend to focus more on maybe how news is delivered or maybe how people receive the news. But I think it always ends up being a lot deeper than that. So it always starts with like, what is the role of media? What is the purpose? And a lot of the debate actually takes place in things like the newsrooms or even just crafting in the first place. So I think um, a key thing to note in a lot of media debates is that they have to be talked about from end to end. So from acquiring the information, from discussing how to present it, um, even choosing who's going to deliver the information. And then all the way then we can talk about, oh, how do people receive it, whether it's fake news or not. So I think, especially for novices, a lot of the debate will focus on the latter half of the process. When for a majority of media motions, lots of the spicy things can be found <laughs> on the first half. So it's interesting you mentioned news, because that's like probably like the theme of your first motion, which reads that absolute neutrality means equal weight to all events, opinions, and arguments, regardless of what side they're from. This house believes that all news platforms should practice absolute neutrality when covering the news. So what inspired this motion in particular? Um... I just think it's just a classic news motion. All issues, especially if we're talking about traditional news motions, um, always focus on things like fake news, on sensationalism, on censorship, and they all come back to how should news conduct themselves. And I think the basic thing there is whether we should be neutral people or not. And can I say I just made this before the whole 
how should we cover Duterte issue on Twitter yeah, came out. I noticed. So I'm really proud I thought of this before that. <laughs> you you predicted it, no? I predicted. But also, you know, debate's a cycle. That's so true. there's always going to be a true. new issue that follows a theme anyway. But hey, at least there's matter now. Mm. <laughs> mm. So aside from the Duterte being covered issue and how we should cover it, what other context do you think debaters would need to know to debate this motion well? Um, I don't think there's like a need-to-know context. But definitely it would help to understand the diversity of news platforms. And I think one of the biggest examples is obviously the US news ecosystem Mm. on how polarizing Fox News and Breitbart can be versus things like CNN, who even if they think they're neutral or more centrist, a lot of the times they're still framed as pretty liberal individuals. So that just polarity between the presentation of news, I think, is also an important context to show that a world absent of absolute neutrality isn't all roses either. Hmm. So what do you think are the arguments then for both sides? Well, there's a lot, but top of the line, I think especially if you're for absolute neutrality, obviously you have to cover how news should be unbiased, Mm. how we have to keep the personal out of the political. But then there can also be I guess it goes back to my discussion of talking more about the things that happen in the back rooms, in the newsrooms. So uh, argument for neutrality can also talk about how we end up choosing our news and how we decide to choose what gets on the headline. Um, obviously, if you're biased, you're choosing based on maybe what will get clicks hmm. or sensationalism versus a neutral tone of this is the highlight that's happening right now. So obviously, we're going to give this more importance. No other considerations should take place. Or I guess even talking about how we ought to run the business, because sometimes we pick anchors who are divisive because we like that, or we have an agenda. So basically, taking the agenda and biases out of news gives it the purest form of information, which is what we want. Um, And I think that's the main case line a lot of the times that government side not should run but can run Mm. if we're talking about opposition side then i think one of the important things is to talk about why bias is actually important in terms of we don't want things to be or to have false equivalence because we know for a fact there is right and there is wrong to certain issues. So like we can't give equal weight to someone who says we should respect all races to someone who says no, um, African Americans don't deserve this much <laughs> and treat them both as yes, both excellent points. Thank you for both of your 10 minutes. So I think neutrality, if you're talking about it from the perspective of opposition, has to talk about how it can lead to even being the bystander in immoral situations, which obviously you know how, like, the... What's that line? It's not only the oppressor benefits from neutrality or something like that. It's, I think, uh, the top-line case, obviously, for opposition. But then you can also talk about things about diversity. And I guess 
the relevance of having niche. So obviously, it might be biased, or you can call it biased if you want to have a perspective from minorities when covering issues. Um, and talk about obviously, you know, you're biased to your race or to your economic position. But when you deliberately give that more importance, then obviously you can counterbalance and give more representation, more diversity, all of these good things and all that. So I think those are more unique things that opposition side can talk about. I guess also when we're talking about frames, I think one of the strong suits that can come from government side is to just say how neutrality is the better of two evils and kind of force it that you're choosing between polarity of do we want people overly divisive that we create an us versus them, a Fox News versus CNN, or we'd rather sure neutrality isn't perfect, but it's still better to have decent information that everyone trusts and we create a reliable source and a common ground at the very least. I think that's the frame for government. If we're about frames for opposition, then I would say it's not perfect, but we can't be neutral because the things that prevent us from neutrality, like actually speaking when something is fake news or talking about how we have to step in when we believe something is generally immoral are necessary safeguards even at the cost of neutrality. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, so... I something that stands out to me there is the idea of trust, and that's the reason why we should be neutral. But this is an interesting transition to the next motion in the set, which is about metadata being collected by social media companies and it being made available to the public. Because it seems like there's a large amount of distrust when it comes to um, social media. Can I ask what inspired this particular motion? Like, was there a piece of news that you saw or a particular experience that made you say, I should set this as a motion? Oh, let me think. No particular experience. I think it started from, okay, I have a motion about traditional media. Let's try to sort of branch out and talk about new media. And that's how I started talking about, uh, okay, let's talk about social media then. But then the main thing about social media a lot of the time is about, oh, should they censor fake news and all that stuff. But I think that ended up just going back to the news. And I wanted my themes to be slight, the main themes of each motion to be at least distinct from each other. So I think that's where it started talking about the metadata. Because I think news now... Um, isn't just about us as passive consumers, but we're also creators of news. So you know how, like, your viral tweet now becomes a person's source of information. So from just being, oh, I watch news, to people actively creating news in social media sites. And what happens to all that information as well is, I think, where the metadata motion came from, other than EUDC as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so what what arguments would you be expecting from both government and opposition teams in this motion? Um, At the heart, I think both teams should basically talk about, well, principally the privacy issues here, obviously. So for government side, that it's ours because we essentially made it. This metadata comes from our behavior and our action 
and all that stuff. So it should be made available to us because we are contributors to it. Versus opposition talking about how um, this could be damaging. It's uh, Even if it's metadata, which means it's not actually saying this person's address, blah, 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 is there. But more talking about like general summarized data, there still can be certain privacy issues when it comes to releasing massive amounts of data. Um, so that's just like the general principle of who owns data and how should we treat it and whether we should respect privacy. Um, but also talking about then about social impacts of what does massive amounts of information do to society and do to people at large. So for government side, you can talk about how a lot of good projects generally do need data, both in terms of pinpointing where the problems lie, mm. but also about it in determining how we can make society better and solve solutions. And a lot of the times, the role of media is to highlight problems in the first place. Um, so I think that's more of where, if we're talking about the pragmatic side of the debate, government will lie. If we're talking about opposition, then I think one of the, I guess, main controversies can also come from things like Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. When you talk about how metadata in the wrong hands can totally lead to social manipulation. Mm-hmm. And just like... Bad things. Effing things. <laughs> oh, bad things. Meep. Yeah. It's okay. I will censor everything, so feel free. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about like, should I include the F word now? <laughs> you can just cut that out. Yeah, there are children here. There are children here. Yeah, that's why I trust your censorship. It's interesting you you mentioned that you wanted to be very diverse with the motions because I did notice until you pointed it out. So this last motion, I'm guessing, is since it's about literature, it's like from traditional media to the new media, and then. Old media, old media, like really, really old media. So the motion reads: This house would establish a content rating system for literature. So R yeah. thirteen. Does this include fan fiction? Is my question. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good point. Maybe if PM wants to censor fan fiction, they can do it over my dead body. But sure. <laughs> so what inspired this motion? But actually, I was thinking of popular media more than ultra new media. I was just like, sometimes people learn from books. Yay! But also, you know how media really just means medium of information. Yeah. So I'm just gonna run with that loose definition <laughs> and try to include some pop culture here. So that's really the only reason why I included this motion as well. But also because if we're already talking about bias, and we've already talked about privacy, then I think the other main theme that we can discuss in media is censorship. Yeah. And that's where content rating systems come into play. Because I guess it's also a discussion of how does information affect society? I mean, that's technically all motions discussions in media. (laughs) But more on how do we want to control what the children are reading and maybe what other individuals are reading via content rating systems? So I'm just going to jump to... So if you're going to ask me about arguments... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was going to ask you, like, is there anything, like, 
special in this particular context that would like justify this being a separate motion on its own because like in in off the top of my head I can't really think of any like difference between like TV and books when it comes to like content um so like my my question is like what is new or different in the context of literature that would necessitate us to have uh content rating or not have um that kind of system honestly only the only reason i put literature is cuz tvs and movies generally already have content rating systems yeah so from my understanding though they have content rating systems because they're very visual and like elicit an immediate reaction unlike books where like someone like me with no imagination like i have difficulty and i think like the the amount of triggers that i would get from books are probably less compared to if i watch the same scene reenacted on a live like show like game of thrones or something right yeah so like <laughs> is there a way for like opposition here to argue that we don't really need a content rating system for literature because like if you're a kid and then you're reading game of thrones for example half of the adult things that you read there you can't really understand or like you would understand it through like your kitty kitty filter with like oh i guess they just really like each other <laughs> or oh they they're making such mm, they have they made a boo-boo they made a boo-boo oh look at these siblings getting along so well (laughs) these siblings they really like each other okay sorry you got sidetracked they like each other so much yeah I guess for opposition you are kind of supposed to downplay the effects of literature like I guess for government you can do the opposite you can say hey my favorite character got to stab someone. Yeah. I should be able to do that too. So I think there are still things when they read books that they just try to emulate. Mm. Even if they might not, especially if they don't fully understand the context of what's happening. <laughs> or if you do want to go to Game of Thrones, like, huh, I guess I should kiss my sibling. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> so b- besides those, what other arguments can you imagine for government and opposition? Um, for government, I think a lot of this motion does lend itself to basic principles, especially in discussions of things like state paternality, on how we want to preserve morality and influence, but for some reason, we leave it up to individual schools to be the one to decide what are banned books and what aren't Mm -hmm. a lot of the times. Or if you notice, some countries just have strict, these are banned, these are not, but everything else is free reign for you. So it's more of an extension of if we apply this to our movies, if we even apply this to things like um, we do have screening boards for the advertisements, then why is suddenly literature a free-for-all zone when kids can equally get just as much influence from it Hmm. or negative influence from it? Or all these armchair Marxists are suddenly popping up without (laughs) any real understanding of what's happening because they're just like, yeah, the communist manifesto's cool now because it's a meme on Twitter. So, you know, I better do something about it too. So... I guess it's a lot of books, more than anything, can be more unregulated, can bring complex ideas to someone who's totally unprepared for it or who might misinterpret it. Um, 
in ways, just like you said, it's not as clear and not as visceral, I guess, as a movie. So I guess also for government, the lack of straightforward ideas or what it wants you to get from it can equally be as dangerous in its vagueness. But also, you know, there's always the think about the children who accidentally got a hold of some book. So I guess also just the classic debates on how we need certain degrees of censorship. Or, I don't know, I've just read so many YAs um, before <laughs> that suddenly are like, yeah, sex between teens is cool now. Yeah, or Ron Weasley and an owl. Totally acceptable. <laughs> Ron totally. Weasley and an owl? Don't ask the exposure that Kitty and Search I had. fanfiction. The- no! <laughs> Kitty and I have had a wild high school journey with fanfiction. Crack Yeah. Oh no. Crack fix. Yeah, I, I also read like a really long one where like it's it's Voldemort but he, he got reborn into the body of Harry Potter. So it's like mm. just baby Harry Potter but like totally evil. Mm. <laughs> oh, there's one about Snape and the sorting hat. No! Just sorting! Why? <laughs> That's a real one! Oh god. Okay, anyway, we got sidetracked yet again. Um, thank you so much, Kitty, for answering our queries regarding the motions. I think we can end the episode here. But before that, we have one last question, uh, which is, what would you like uh, novices to know as advice, especially if they're starting out their debate stories just now? Wow, what would I give advice to novices? Huh. I would probably say to have fun. Especially if you feel like you're losing. Then there's nothing else to gain from the debate but the enjoyment of saying whatever you want. Which may (laughs) be bad advice. But, like, there's really no point in debating if you're not having fun. That's true. I agree. Oh? Well, we agree. We agree. Wow. (laughs) So, like, winning is fun, yes. But if you're losing, still find ways to have fun. Within the rules and without breaking any... Within the rules. Without breaking any equity protocols also. Yes, within the rules without breaking any equity policy. You're promoting... You can, like, still be proud of a certain argument. And you're like, yeah, we lost the debate. But I thought of this cool thing. Yeah. Yay, nerds. 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 (laughs) Nerds. Thank you so much, Kitty. Um, So that's it for this episode of Debatable. Thank you so much for also agreeing to contribute the motions for our tournament. We hope to have you again in another tournament. Are we hosting another tournament? I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe the next one, but this Maybe. time for this is BA. The advanced, this is the advanced announcement for a debatable two. Yeah, deba- yeah debatable coming IP. later this year. Debatable yeah. IP or something. Anyway. Debatable two. Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <My> bungalow. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Kitty. Bye. Bye. Bye.